Welcome to Emerging Franchise Brands, the podcast that introduces you to the visionary founders of America's fastest growing franchise opportunities. We'll also hear from industry pros as they share insights on what it really takes to achieve the elusive milestone of 100 plus locations. I am your host, Frank Fumi, founder of i9 Sports, and my 20-year journey from inception to acquisition has given me a unique perspective on how to succeed in franchising. Join me as we welcome today's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Emerging Franchise Brands podcast. On today's show, I have the founder and CEO of Home Smiles Franchise, Jess Love. How are you? It's a great day, Frank. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being in studio. Right. Appreciate you coming on over. So, Jess, Home Smiles, when I first saw this um, concept, I assumed it was just like handyman service. Mm -hmm. But as I started digging in, uh, it's a whole lot more than that. So would you share with the audience, what exactly do you guys do? Sure. I mean, the way that I like to describe it to somebody that I have just met that hasn't heard anything about the company is I, I ask them, I say, do you have you ever taken your car to oil changers or Jiffy Loop? Sure. Because the feeling resonates with them. Mm -hmm. You know, why do you go there? Well, I, I went there to get an oil change because a little red light on my dashboard <laughs> came up. And outside, there was a sign that said $89 for an oil change. And so I drive in. And then what happens? Well, then the technician, they pull out your air filter and they show it to you. They say, look how disgusting this is. <laughs> and we're looking here at the computer. And the computer says that your 2015 Chevrolet Silverado also <laughs> really should have a transmission uh, oil change and a right. radiator flush. And we need to top off your brake fluid. You need a fuel filter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what do you end up saying? And they always say the same thing. Go ahead and do it. Of course. What are you going to say? No. Exactly. And I ask them, why do you say yes? Go ahead and do everything. And the reason is, well, I don't want to have any maintenance issues. Mm -hmm. And I also want my car to be safe. Right. right. My car has generally the most important people in my life in it. And so I want to make sure that they're safe. And Home Smiles is the same concept. So we are oil changers for your house or Jiffy Lube or whatever location you're in that does that service. Uh, but we are oil, oil changers for your house. And so we come out with a van a lot in our network of Home Smiles family. Everybody refers to it as the super van. The super van shows up. And the two back doors open. We have 400 feet of cabling and reeling for every service that we do. And so I can roll through these pretty quick. I won't hit all 18 of the services. Sure. It's in our full service package. But we clean your roof. We clean your gutters. We clean your downspouts. Wash your exterior windows. Why do we do that? Because most people either clean their own interior windows or they have a maid. Mm -hmm. right? That, mm -hmm. Or a maid service or a Molly maid that we'll throw in a quick plug for Molly maid while we're here. They have a service that does the interior windows, but not the exterior. So mm -hmm. those services and then the safety items, the dryer vent, making sure that that's clean. Absolutely. So it doesn't light on fire. I mean, it's, it's a big, big problem. 3,800 homes burned to the ground last year in the United States caused by dryer vent fires. Wow. Check all the interior carbon and smoke alarms, making sure not only that they're there, but that they're functional. Right. And we can talk about that for if you want to bring that up later. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> How many people think that their carbon and smoke alarms are functional, but they're not. Hmm. Right. So we actually test them 
with carbon in a can and smoke in a can. So uh, some additional safety items uh, as well, checking the garage door safety return, the pressure return valve, changing the air filter in the house, flushing the water heater, snaking all of the drains. Frank, everything all the way down to deodorizing the garbage disposal. Mm. So it's a great service that really has three ancillary benefits to it. Number one is you're avoiding deferred maintenance issues. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're keeping your family safe. And number three, there's a big energy savings component to it. So we actually outsourced how much energy are we actually saving our clients when we run a full service, right? Because we're cleaning the refrigerator coils, we're changing the furnace filter, we're flushing the water heater, and some of the other things we do. And what they found is that the energy savings racked up actually exceeds, now this is in California, Mm -hmm. actually exceeds the cost of the service. So the service almost pays for itself in energy savings. So that's what we do. We're basically... America's leader in property and home maintenance services. Cool. How did you get how did you get started in this? I understand your background was in law, right? You're a former attorney. I like to refer to it as a recovery. Rec- right. Uh, <laughs> this voice that you hear right now is my standard everyday hanging out with my friend's voice. Okay. My, my attorney voice is much lower. Oh, that's um, intimidating. Right, exactly. And my, <laughs> wi- my wife is glad that it's gone. Yeah, so the background is, is two things. One and it is the fact that I've been a real estate investor ever since I was very young. I bought my first rental property when I was 19 years old in 1989. Wow, awesome. And I started saving for that, literally, by cleaning gutters, basically to helping to take care of my parents' rental property portfolio. My, my parents, both of them, were very knee-deep in real estate. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. My father was a developer. My mother was a, was a broker of a top NAR-tracked number three in the country broker. Wow. Um, and so I was weaned on real estate. I loved real estate ever since I was a kid, right? And I just, I couldn't wait to buy my own rental property. And thankfully, both my parents were from the Warren Buffett school of give your kids enough to do something, mm-hmm. but never enough to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so when I would ask my dad, I'd say like, hey, I need a hundred bucks to take Susie to the prom. My dad would literally look at me and say, well, that's great. I need a hundred grand to close this deal. So you got to do what I do. You got to go to work. Right. And he taught me a great work ethic. And I, you know, I think about that all the time and I, just, you know, profusely thank him for instilling that in me. So I saved my money from 13, 14 years old up until I was about 19. I bought my first rental property at 19 years of age and then started buying, buying, buying. As I sit here today, I think last count, there's, I have 75 buildings in Silicon Valley, something along those lines. I buy, I buy property like most people buy shoes. Single family, commercial, multifamily, what's... Mainly multifamily. Okay. Mainly multifamily. So all this will come into play in a second here. But with the attorney background, you'll see where I'm going with this. Okay. So as part of my job at the law firm, I started a, at a great, great law firm, international firm. Uh, why'd you go into law to begin with? Oh, why'd I go into law? I guess it was really because I wanted to be the best real estate investor that I could possibly be. All right. So real estate was still at the, yeah. the, the crux of this thing. Huh? Yeah. And my, my parents you know, were instrumental in saying like, hey, the law will be a means to an end for you. But mm. if you want to be the best real estate investor you could possibly be, having a law degree, and I also have an MBA and an MBA, will help you grow and build those portfolios and keep them safe and protect you from outside claims and litigation and everything else along the way. Smart. Very smart. My father referred to a law degree as literally the greatest skeleton key that you could put on your, your keychain. 
And he would literally, he would bring out a keychain and he would say, what are all these? Mm-hmm. And I would say, they're keys. This is the first way, first time he explained this to me. I said, they're all keys. And he goes, what do they do? And I said, keys open doors. And he said, that's exactly correct. He said, if you have a college degree, that's a key. If you speak multiple languages, those are additional keys. He said, and he went on with this concept, but he said, the greatest key that you could possibly put on your keychain, the skeleton key to open more doors than anything else, is a lottery. And that was how he looked at it. And he was, he was, a, he was a serial entrepreneur, and don't even get me going down that road. <laughs> uh, some of the brands that we all know today, he was instrumental in starting. So, uh, great man. Uh, he was my, my idol. Aww, right? He passed away in 93, but Aww. just a great man. So I start practicing law. Real estate's obviously my love. And I rise to be the, the chair of the real estate department for, for my firm. I went on after that to become the managing partner of that firm, and then I retired. But I loved my career in the law. Uh, I was ready to get out when I did. Mm-hmm. But as the chair of the real estate department, part of my job is to look at all of the cases that are coming down the pipe. And so a team of associates, if you will, would review these cases and they'd give me a summary. And I'd say, okay, let's take these three cases and let's promulgate them. Let's get them out to our clients, our private office clients, our equity clients, things along those lines, syndicators and the like, Mm -hmm. in order to help them avoid litigation. And sitting in that chair for seven or eight years, what I saw was a constant increase in liability claims against property owners. I'll put it to you that way. Hmm. Property owners, property managers. And it didn't really matter what state you were in, because that's a question I get a lot. Well, you live in California, and California is incredibly litigation heavy. It's not the case. So all of these cases arise out of negligence, and I'm going to boil this down to just keep it simple. Negligence is duty breach causation damages. So Let's take the great state of Florida that we're sitting in right now. If you own a multifamily building in Florida and you haven't cleaned your dryer vent in five years and it lights on fire and that building lights on fire and somebody gets injured, you're going to get sued, period. Now, what normally happens is these buildings are managed by property management companies. Right. So most states have joint and several liabilities. So the owner is going to get sued and the property management company is going to get sued. Virtually all of the cases come down the pipe the same way. Any of these dry event cases, carbon events where the carbon alarms don't go off, smoke alarm cases, smoke alarms don't go off, and I could go on and on and on. Both the owner and the property management company are sued. In the event of death or serious injury, they're just under $30 million. Wow. And the jury is asked, please assess liability against the property owner and the property manager. Mm -hmm. who is responsible and to what percentage. And in virtually all the cases, it's 90% on the property manager, 10% on the property owner. And the only thing the property owner did wrong really was choose a bad property manager, right? (coughs) That's where, that's where they're at fault. Mm -hmm. So the, as I watch these cases escalate, I'm sitting there thinking not only of my clients, but also of myself, right? I'm like, I've got to fix this there. How am I going to fix this? How can I sleep? I got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night because one of these cases will, will literally take you under. And you, you can't insure to $30 million anymore. Right. How many properties did you own personally by this time? At that time, it was over 200 doors, oh. not properties. Right, right. Now, t- today, it's just around 300. So you're thinking about not only your clients, but you're thinking about yourself like I'm at risk here. 
Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to sound like a selfish, self-centered <laughs> no, but- guy, but I mean, yeah, I was thinking about my <laughs> clients, but I couldn't sleep at night because I had so much of my life invested in real estate. Right. And I knew that literally one of these cases could take me down. And so I said, there's got to be, I got to fix this. <laughs> so about three years prior to founding Home Smiles, what I did was I went into my office and I sat down and I wrote down all the things. I said, what do we have to do on every single property every year in order to achieve two goals? One, avoid deferred maintenance, and two, keep the occupants safe. Mm-hmm. And the original list was about 11, and then it grew to about 14. And today, it's with Home Smiles, it's 18. 18. But originally, it was about 11. And I gave that list to the property management company that managed all my properties. And I said, hey, I want all of this done on each one of my properties every year. And I said, I, re- I literally want to have a binder that I can come in and sit down with you and check. And so when, you know, the service personnel are not doing a turnover or painting or prepping a unit or toilets, trenets and trash and everything else Mm -hmm. that we're familiar with in the property management world, that they're doing this stuff. And for three years running, even with me calling and checking and asking and making it a priority, they couldn't get over 30% of the inventory done. Today, as I look back, what I realize is very clearly because Home Smiles itself represents hundreds of property management companies Mm -hmm. or works on behalf of. And what I, in meeting with those property managers and talking to them about their headaches and what's difficult for them and how we can be aspirin for their property management company, sure, they're not set up for that. Property management companies are set up to do a few things very well. They're set up to run income and expenses, Mm -hmm. to basically run spreadsheets and numbers and income and expense reports and profit and loss reports and report to the client, turn over the units and prepare the units. They're staffed. They have handymen and women that will basically address the plugged toilet, the broken towel bar, you know, the chip tile in the kitchen, something like that. Reactive, reactive, reactive. Very reactive. Yeah. Great point. Extremely reactive. But they're not set up to do annual maintenance. Mm-hmm. Really, nobody was. And I looked, went out and I looked at the market. There was no solution for this whatsoever. You and I talked prior to going on uh, the podcast here about the seed that was planted mm-hmm. for Home Smiles. And really the final straw for me was a case that landed on my desk for one of my clients where a building caught on fire because of a dryer vent and a little girl got burned. Uh, my daughter was about the same age at the time. And I just said... I mean, I can picture myself as clear as day right now. I leaned back in my chair and I said, there's just got to be a better way. There has to be. And that was kind of what got me going on creating that list that we talked about. And then really where Home Smiles was born, I retired from the practice of law about seven years ago. And when I retired, my wife and I went on a five-week cruise celebratory cruise. Wow. And uh, with a couple of other couples as well. There were three couples. And uh, we're on this cruise and it's fantastic going around Central America and about, excuse me, South America. And uh, about three days in, she started looking at me out of the corner of her eye, kind of going like, this is, he's not going to make it. About, (laughs) about, he's not going to make it. About five days in, she's like, honey, are you okay? And about a weekend, I'm just like, honey, I just, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like a life of hot yoga and buffets and driving golf balls is just not going to do it for me. Right. I need to have 
you know, I need to have gravity pulling me forward. Mm-hmm. I need to have something to solve, something to work on. And I said, I'm going to start working on an idea that the seed was planted years ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, you know, knock yourself out. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to be happy. And so I grabbed my laptop and I started work plugging away. And, and that's where Home Smiles was born. Uh, I presented it to my wife and the other couples there on the cruise ship. I said, what do you think? Everybody said they were very laudatory of the concept. They're mm-hmm. like, this is an idea whose time has come. I mean, nobody wants to do anything anymore, right? right. Nobody wants to go to the supermarket. They want to use Instacart. They don't want to go pick up their food at the takeout. They want to have Uber Eats deliver it. Sure. Everybody wants to order it, you know, and make it simple and have it aggregated one click, one call solution. And so I said, okay. I said, the main thing for me at the time, Frank, was I wasn't thinking franchising. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking company. I had enough to do, right, mm-hmm. with you know, other things in my life. And but, a couple of hundred doors that you owned. Yes, yes. <laughs> and like we've just pretty much established, I love real estate, right? right? And so I came back, I put everything together. I mean, one thing I can do pretty easy is put companies together. Like I worked basically real estate and emerging companies. That's okay. what I did. And so putting, starting a company and incorporating and doing all the stuff that needs to be done, getting the phone numbers on the websites and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's fun. That part is fun. Sure. And I came back and I took, I bought two vans, got them all wrapped up, hired great, great guy uh, who was a facilities manager type guy. And he was kind of fed up with his prior job. And I said, hey, if all you do is just run the Home Smiles service on all of my units, you got a job for life, right? Okay. You know, and he's like, I'm in, I'm sold. And so the company fired off and it was run at about six months. And I checked in, I said, hey, like, how's my stuff going? Like we getting done. He goes, he goes, unfortunately, we're not done with your stuff. And we're probably, I think it was about October at this point. Okay. He said, we won't have your stuff done probably till February, March of next year. And I said, what's going on? What's taking so long? What's taking so long? What's going on here? And he said, Jess, once those vans started driving around, the phone started ringing off the hook. I said, you're kidding. He said, you're kidding. This is 2017-ish? Yeah, 2017, 2018. It took us a while to get everything rolling, get the vans, get it all wrapped, figure it all out. And I said, you're kidding. And he goes, yeah, real estate agents are calling. Other property management companies are calling. Just regular old, you know. John and Jane homeowners are calling. It started to take off, and he said, we're probably going to need another van and another couple of employees. Now, the turning point that occurred at that point in time was I looked at this, and I said, I don't want to have another 400 employees. Mm-hmm. I've done that before. And it, this company just looked and smelled like a franchise opportunity. One, one of the guys that ran, I, was, I ran in his circle, was a great guy named Anthony Veracruz who was the CEO of California Closets. Oh, yeah. Great guy. Of course. And he lives in Marin. So I called him up and I said, Anthony, would you mind sitting with me, you know, just having a lunch Mm -hmm. and taking a look at something? I just want to make sure I'm on the right track. And he said, be happy to. He's Australian. I won't do the accent. (laughs) Oh, yeah, be happy to. Uh, Great guy. (laughs) And so we sat down we had lunch and he looked at everything and he goes, this is a great, and he called it a chuck in a truck model at the time. Right? Okay, he goes, uh, this is a great chuck in a truck model. <laughs> chuck in a truck, it. and uh, he and he loved it, and so he was instrumental in in at that point in time to pointing us towards franchising. Okay, and we ca- and we came out of the box pretty fast mm-hmm. because he was just so helpful. You know, I've listened to a couple, you know, a couple of your more recent podcasts and your tip jar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about at the end how people are helping other franchisees. He was just, 
he, he just offered so much of his time to help point us in the right direction. But he, he said, hey, talk to this law firm, talk to this marketing company, talk to the, and he really set us up with the right team to come out of the box strong. And that's really where Home Smiles was, was born. All the franchising stuff was all set up and we were off and running. That was basically, we're in our third year now, our first year. He, Anthony, he gave me one guideline that he said, you're not allowed to color outside of this line. Okay. And he, what line was that? Yep. It, it, it's instrumental as I look back. He said, you're not allowed to do more than 10 locations in your first year and okay. change. And he said, this could, I could see this being very popular mm-hmm. and I could see you having a lot of demand. And really once I, I said, okay, we're going to go ahead and franchise this. We had a light out the door. We had, we had about five people that wanted one right away. Well, had those people come forward? With they, they came to us. I either knew them. Uh, they were in my friend circle or friend network or just social circle, social network, or we had serviced their property or, um, they knew us through somebody that worked at the company. But the minute I said, okay, we're going to go ahead and, and do a franchise. We had the first five franchises sold. <laughs> and, and so Anthony said no more than 10 yeah. in that first about one year to 18 months. He said, unless and until you have proven that this works, and that you can sustain it, and all of your systems are in place, we're not going to allow you to move forward. Great advice. It's just phenomenal advice, right? And especially in hindsight, now that I'm, you know, quote unquote, in the franchise world, going to conferences, meeting other CEOs, um, working with FSOs and things like that, And hearing some of the horror stories of some of these franchises that have just grown way too fast, especially and, since it's like since COVID, because you start franchising in 2019. So yeah, we're experiencing this new, we're looking at like this new golden age of franchising right now. Yeah. That I thought it was an incredible time during that 2004, 2005, even 2006. But this is like far. Far beyond that, blows it away. But it's also created a challenge now because so many of these emerging franchisors are growing way too quick and don't have the infrastructure to support it. And possibly someday there's going to be a cleansing. There's going to be another implosion of just like there was a cleansing during the Great Recession. Yep. There'll be a cleansing of franchisors that couldn't support having too many franchise owners and not having their you know their act together and having systems and processes in place and the infrastructure of, of folks. Yeah, that was a big learning lesson for us. Last year at the FBA conference, we won the Emerging Brand of the Year. Award. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to be, I mean, the honest story behind that, it, it's a, I love FBA. They're a great organ. I love TES, IFPG. I love them all. Mm-hmm. The FBA has a very special place in my heart because they were the first franchise broker association that we were affiliated with. So we're, I'm sitting there at the, you know, rubber chicken dinner, no mm-hmm. disrespect to their food there at the Omni. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting at a table kind of halfway in the middle in the back. And, and I'm talking to a guy just like you and I are talking right now. And I've got my home smile shirt on and we're bop, 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 bop. And they're up there giving out the awards. Well, never in a million years did it occur to me that we would ever win anything. <laughs> Right. We had like six locations at the time and right. you know, we're just little baby home smiles. And uh, the guy's looking at me and he goes, he goes, hey, aren't you with home smiles? And I go, yeah, that's why it's on the shirt. And he mm-hmm. goes, he goes, they're calling your name. Oh, yeah. Honest guy. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And I and I turned and I looked up and he goes, you better get up there. And I go and I grabbed our CSO uh-huh. and uh, and he and I walked up there and I go, what's this for? And he goes, I don't know. Um <laughs> And we walked up to the stage and everybody's clapping and there's uh, us and two other brands that were up there. 
and and they announced this is for the emerging franchise brand of the year award and i looked at these other two and i'm like oh they're gonna we're gonna be you know third place distant mm-hmm. third place mm-hmm. anyway they called one brand they called another brand and it was obvious that we won the thing and it was it was amazing and i'll you know and i'll come back to why it was so pivotal but taking that award after the presentation i took it up to my room there at the omni and i set it down on the uh, credenza and i just looked at it and somebody had told me on the way out i said how do you win this thing she goes it's by popular vote of all of the brokers Mm. right and that meant a lot to me right Mm. it's not something that you lobby for it's not something that uh you pay for Mm. right it's just because the brokers have been around for you know some of the FBA brokers have been there 17, 15 years, yeah. a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah. They've been around the block. They've seen every concept. They've seen companies come and go. Right. And for them to all vote us, the emerging brand, to me, said that we were onto something. And that kind of became the joke around the office for the next year. Like, I, I, hey, I think we're onto something. <laughs> um, why that was pivotal is because after that, we were contacted by virtually all the FSOs. Mm -hmm. And this ties into your comment regarding the period of franchising that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. And I see it. And when we are contacted by all the FSOs, we have have a great outside counsel firm that represents us. And he said, hey, you got to be really careful about these FSOs. Mm -hmm. And he said, for example, like here's the track record of one of them that is, and I'm not going to mention the FSO and I'm not going to mention the brands. Of course, that would be unfair. They're not here to defend themselves, but uh, where they had taken brands and just blown up a hundred locations in a year. Mm -hmm. And then they were unable to deliver. They couldn't deliver. They couldn't get the franchises open. And I know you've heard those stories and I've heard those. Right. So, the question we always, you know, hear at any conference, it's when you talk to a franchisor and you ask them, how many franchises? And they say a number. This, the follow-up question is always, okay, how many are open and yep. how many are in development? Yep. It's not how many franchises you have because people will always give us the big number. Right. Now, in your case, you guys are on fire. So you've got 12 open in five states and you have another 16 in development across another five states. Correct. For you, like, where do you think, or I should say, how quickly do you feel comfortable with scaling this thing? Because clearly you're getting the demand. Demand is not the issue. Why do you continue to tap the brakes and not let this thing blow up? <laughs> In a good way, I mean, of yeah, course. No, the answer to that question is very simple. I need, to be, I need two things, Frank. I need to be able to sleep at night mm-hmm. and I need to be able to walk down the street with my head held high, right? I'm not going to sell something I can't deliver on. Are you real difficult in terms of the franchise owners that you award to because you're obviously in great demand and there's not a whole lot of numbers. You've got to be pretty picky. We So we are picky. And in fact, what I did, and again, with some counsel from some senior franchise people, is we put together a board. Mm-hmm. And so it has to be a uni- unanimous vote. And we don't, I would say we get unanimity on 60%, maybe. Mm-hmm maybe between 60 and 70%, but at least 30%, we say, sorry, you're not right for us. Good for you. And, uh, and we have an acronym. I'm a big Brian Scudamore fan. Oh Uh, yeah. So, you know, I read all of his stuff. I just think, you know, what he has done with his companies Mm -hmm. is very impressive. And for those listening, 1-800-GOT-JUNK is Brian's baby. Yep. And Brian 
he was an influence on me way back in 2008. And I reached out to Brian because I heard him speak at the IFA. Yep. And I was going through that time period where I knew that I needed to hire for my weakness. I needed to hire a COO. And of course, one of the things that Brian is so passionate about is getting out of your own way as a, as a founder and hiring a COO. And so I reached out to Brian, did not know him, but again, franchising, we would say is so generous. I found him and we had a great conversation and I asked him, Brian, when did you know when you needed to make that hire? And he says, you'll know. And he yeah. says, if you're asking the question, that means that you're ready. Exactly. So, but anyway, I, I wanted to segue to Brian because he was, he was a, a very helpful uh, influence on, on my career. Yeah, he's, he's helped a lot of people. And I, I, love, I love his books as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, you get, I'm not even going to open, I'm not even going to open the Pandora's box on painted picture and stuff like that. But he's just, I love his stuff. And so the board has to vote and it has to be unanimous about 30% of the candidates I would, and I'm guesstimating because I haven't run those numbers uh, specifically, but somewhere in that range, we, we say no to, but the acronym that we're all using as we're going through, whether it be a founder's call or a meet the team day or any other part of our pipeline is pipe. And that's professional, independent, proactive, and entrepreneurial, which I stole from Scudamore. Um, So you get credit for that one, Brian. Uh, (laughs) And a lot of people, what I have found is a lot of people that come into our pipeline, they'll hit the first three, mm-hmm. not a problem. They're professional. They've been in the workforce for 20 years. Uh, they're independent. You can tell, hey, they've run their own sales division. Uh, they're proactive. I mean, they're asking questions. They're engaging. Mm-hmm. They're sending information in. Uh, they're completing surveys. They're doing what they need to do to participate in our timeline. But I just don't get the feeling that they will be able to survive in an entrepreneurial world. Mm-hmm. That's been one of my biggest aha moments in franchising is that some people are entrepreneurs and some people aren't. Sure. And it's a, a whole different mindset. It just is. There's a completely different mindset between I go to work, somebody sends me a paycheck, and I go to work and I make money for myself. Right. And that to me is the biggest criteria that I need to feel confident that this person is going to be able to do that because otherwise I am giving them false hope. True. I would love though, Jess, for you to clarify sort of this, the debate in franchising though, is that, you know, the argument on the other side is that people say, well, I don't want somebody that's an entrepreneur because they're not going to follow the rules. Mm. So isn't it, it's kind of a fine line. You want them to be entrepreneurial, that they're going to get out and be proactive. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make sure they wake up out of bed and doing the job, right. but you need them to have a head on their shoulders at the same time and being able to be entrepreneurial enough yet they have to color within the lines. So yeah. what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that is I'm, I'm looking at it from a much more of a micro level than a macro level, right? right? We're not trying to hire people that are going to completely like critique and revamp the concept that we have because mm-hmm. the concept works, but it's just that confidence in, in my head and in my heart that this person is going to be okay leading their own tribe. Mm-hmm. I guess, sure. at, a, at a micro level, right. at a micro level. So that that's our criteria. And if people don't fulfill that criteria, then we don't give an award. Yeah, the demand is ridiculous for the, for the brand right now. And so what we're focused on is just making sure that we're growing at a safe pace for everyone. Cool. Who is your ideal franchisee? And what are the, yeah, what, and what are the traits that I, you, you know, we talked about PIPE, right? P-I-P-E, right. that acronym. But I'm curious to know on the traits that you need that franchisee to be 
besides being entrepreneurial, you know, what does their life look like? What is their day to day? So, I mean, to me, those are two different questions. Okay. The, the, yes. the, the people that we're looking for, and then what does their day-to-day life look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, we'll take them in that order. Uh, for us, in the beginning, it was common sense. It seemed to me that the people that we were looking for were kind of the, the handyman who's been in business for a while, right? Or somebody who's been in the home services sector for a while, uh, either working for somebody else or a handyman type of uh, person that, you know, they were like, man, the technology is killing me, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about SEO. And I'm like, I'm having trouble like optimizing my PPC and like all of this stuff that the big brands will do for you. And, you know, God, I mean, it's just difficult enough for me to manage these thumbtack requests and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, And so we were looking for, I thought, that was who we were looking for. Those people who were like, I, I love doing what I do. I love being in the home services sector, but I can't stand all the technology. So I want to come onto your platform. Okay. Right. And it just kind of made sense to me. Mm-hmm. It turned out we have three or four of those who, you know, who shall remain nameless mm-hmm. and, uh, and we love them, but they're not interested in becoming in scaling or becoming an empire builders, right. So to speak. And about our, you know, within our first five or six, uh, a franchisee came on board who was a former 20 year plus mortgage broker, right? Okay. Wells Fargo, Chase, things like that. The guy had tons of energy. He was super smart, h- highly driven. And I, but I was like, but this guy doesn't know anything about, he couldn't find the dryer vent on a house if you paid him, you know what I mean? And um, what the aha moment for us was, is this guy understands sales, Mm -hmm. right? He understands that, he understands the sales pipeline. He understands going after bigger ticket clients. He understands um, how to run a business. He understood what an income and expense and a profit and loss and a balance sheet was and everything else. And it turned out that that's the type of individual that we're looking for. The business acumen took over far greater than the person that can actually do the work, right? Correct. Which I, I went through the same thing. Being in the sports business, I thought starting out, I was going to have franchisees because they love sports. They're going to yep. want to do that. And they end up not even being good franchisees because they were focused on the technical aspects of the work, like I don't know if you're familiar with the E-Myth Revisited, Michael Gerber's book, but yep. he talks about the technician and the technician can't get out of their own way. Yep. Whereas the person who gets out of their own way is not going to be the operator. Somebody like you're, you're painting this picture of this person who has this business acumen out there networking, trying to get, get business. That's where that maybe handyman professional is not his or her strength. Exactly. And that's after this gentleman came on board, we then brought on another individual that was from the food and beverage sector, Okay, right? 20 year plus veteran running big franchise opportunities, food service, food and beverage. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, but you know, Uh again, you know, same type of feeling as the mortgage broker guy and he is killing it. And so the aha moment for us was what we're looking for is we are looking for people that understand business and they understand sales. And really, as long as they have the, those two understandings and they can fulfill the entrepreneurial aspect for me in that micro level that we discussed, mm-hmm. that those are the people that we're looking for. And those are the ones that are, they're going over a million mm-hmm. at this point where the, the former handyman type of individual uh, is very happy with 
you know, saturating his van at $400,000 a year, so right. to speak. Um, and after that kind of dawned on me, I was talking to somebody, they brought up the Gerber book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, oh, okay. So it's still on my list. I haven't read it, read it yet, Frank. I've been a little busy. But. That's okay. No, I, I highly recommend it. But, you know, I've heard from other brands that the conversion business is really difficult. You know, if you're you're taking this handyman who has an existing business and then mm-hmm. convert him into becoming a franchise owner, there's some success stories, but mm-hmm. I, I've heard more challenges with that. Yeah. And I have some friends that have <laughs> franchises that, you know, that automotive sector, the auto body sector, mm-hmm. those were big where they took independently owned auto body shops and they converted them on a franchise. Right. And they've had those struggles. Very kind of, I guess, similar for us. They're set in their ways. They have their certain way of doing things and it's hard for them to relearn. How should I put it? As they say, it's hard to teach an old dog. New right. Well, it's sometimes better to have a blank canvas yep. and also having a person that can't do the work. Because if you could do the work, such as the the person that you're converting to, possibly not getting out of their own way, they're not hiring, they're not scaling. I imagine to really blow this business up, scale is really important, right? Yep. So let's pretend I'm a new franchise owner. Am I starting out with one van, two vans? Am I hiring? How does it normally work? And I'm I'm the guy like the that like that broker. Okay. Yeah. I can barely, I can find the dryer vent, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know where the gutters are. I know where right? the gutters are. I know what those are. The I downspout, can, uh, definitely know where those are <laughs> exactly. too. Um, so how does it look? I mean, coming out of the box, most of our franchisees uh, right now are buying two territories. Our territory okay. size is 250000 So most pe- most new franchises are, are buying two territories. Uh, we in- encourage them to buy one van. Per one, territory? One van only to start. Okay. One van only to start. You know, the two biggest questions that you get in franchising, as you already know, uh, are, hey, how are you going to help me get business? <laughs> right. And how are you going to help me hire? And mm-hmm. so what we've done, what we've done at HomeSmiles, uh, the whole C-level team is we have focused on just crushing those questions, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to have any ambiguity on the table whatsoever as it relates to how are we going to help you get business? How are we going to help you? So hire. smart. And so <clears throat> literally uh, on the verification calls is what it all boils down to, as you know, and the, our verification calls or the people, our existing franchisees are saying, yes, they're filling our calendars and also like hiring is not a problem mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, I our first franchise is our corporate owned office, right? Mm-hmm. As you and I discussed, and that's in San Mateo County. Our lead technician has been with us since day one. We've had two follow technicians for about three and a half years apiece. And and one of the questions I get is, why is it you guys have so such little turnover? Mm-hmm. Why is it your techs come on board and just stay for years and years and years mm-hmm. where everybody else is having trouble holding on to personnel? And, and I sat there and I, I would, <laughs> I would, cause I would get that question like every week on a meet the team day mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. a founder call. And I'm like, why is it? I'm driving home and I'm thinking about it and I'm driving back to the office and I'm thinking about it. And one day I'm at home and the guy shows up to do our bug spray, mm-hmm. uh, Orkin type of thing, mm-hmm, you know, monthly mm-hmm. service call. And his name is Dave. And I'm like, Hey Dave, how's it going? And it, and Dave's always kind of. It's Dave's not his real name, right. uh, but Dave, Dave's always kind of like, you know, it's okay. I'm doing all right. Getting through the day. Getting through the day. Mm-hmm. And it hit me like a wrecking ball. I'm like, Dave is by himself. He sure is. Right? That's right. And mm-hmm. when you go to in our corporate office, right, our guys show up to grab 
one of the vans out of the back. And they're like ribbing on each other. Mm-hmm. They already stopped and got coffee on the way in and donuts. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, just rib. And they're they're going to their kids' baseball games and mm-hmm. soccer games. They're buddies. And they're hanging out all day. And they're having a blast because there's two guys in the van. And then it hit me. It's like I got a AC company that comes by and services the AC, one guy in a van. Mm-hmm. I got a lawn care company that comes by one guy in the van mm-hmm. i got the guy at, the, at my house that comes by and services you know the bug spray and the orchid and all that one guy in a van it's a lonely job it's a lonely job mm. right and for us we are set <laughs> up with two techs a lead and a follow tech because they can do twice the amount of services in a day our average service call is about 629 dollars right now and how many service calls can i do in a day with an 18.4 Four in a day. That's Four. incredible. Yeah. Our at, and this is, and again, we get that question a lot. How is it you do all these 18 services in a day? Um, and I'm going to give credit to the guy, the facilities manager guy that I told you when we first hired. Uh-huh. The guy was just, he was just an animal when it came to saving minutes, half hours, hours, okay. whatever. And so I'll give you an example here at the end. But we don't clean gutters by hand. We use high-power vacuums. Mm-hmm. We don't wash windows with squeegees. We use deionized window cleaning machines, which are expensive but worth mm-hmm. worth it because we can clean windows on the exterior of a house. Much better product. You're cleaning the entire window frame, the window panes, the mullions, and the sills, all with this deionized window cleaning machine mm-hmm. where anybody else comes along with a squeegee. And we can do it in in 30% of the time. We're not pressure washing with a wand. We're using these high-powered water ponies. We call them those big circular water horses. And everything we do is focused on optimizing the amount of time. So, for example, in our first year, we went out there and we're watching just a couple of service calls, seeing where we could save a little bit of additional time. We watched uh, at the office. We we have kind of a movie thing that we do for lunch. And so everybody sits down and watches a movie. It takes us like four days to get through a movie. Right. Um, And it's, it's not required. But, uh, you know, people like to sit there and have their lunch and watch a movie. And we were watching The Founder. Mm-hmm. And where that series, that point in The Founder where they're looking, how can they save time there in the kitchen and resetting it up and resetting it up. And we said, Let, let's go out and audit to see where we can save some more time. And just on recoiling the, you know, 400 feet of cable for the Skyvac, for the pressure washing, for the window cleaning, mm-hmm. just recoiling that was half an hour. Wow. So we put in auto recoiling reels where they hit a button and they go, mm-hmm. and they're all in in about three minutes. Damn. And doing that three times a day saved us another hour and a half, got us to the point where we could do four service calls in a day. And really, we haven't talked about this yet, but like who are our customers? We have a big B2C market, mm-hmm. but our biggest market is B2B. And that's really for property management companies. Mm-hmm. Going back to what we talked about in the beginning, they're not set up for this. So when we walk in and we go, hey, instead of, sending out the, the, the gutter cleaning company and the dryer vent cleaning company and the window cleaning company and the pressure washing company. We'll do it all in one service call. Mm-hmm. We'll save you tons of money, save you tons of time sending out notices here in the office. We'll give you a beautiful six, seven page report at the end with before and after photos, logging all of your carbon and smoke alarms, taking care of all your liability, giving you a much better service, much better customer X experience for not only your property owners, but also for your tenants. And when you get those property management lists, you're getting 100 plus homes at a time. Wow. So when you can route optimize that, you're doing four service calls in a day, Mm -hmm. all day long. You know, 
I'm thinking about the short-term rental business, which I have experience in, and I, I've used a property management company, but my wife and I actually do this on our own, but I think about the churn and burn in short-term rental. Yep. I mean, we, in our short-term rental Airbnb, it's turnover every Saturday. Yep. So to fit in these different techs to come in, it's, you know, sometimes we have to shut down for a whole week, so we're losing money. Absolutely. And having several techs in, I would imagine on the property management side, specifically in the short-term rental, this is a... Tremendous opportunity in those markets where Airbnb is popular, beach, mountain communities, all of those. Absolutely. And a lot of our franchises go after those market segments as well. The article, somebody just forwarded me an article last week where I think it was like, I'm not going to speak out of turn, but Airbnb is having some issues related to carbon and smoke alarm events in their properties mm. that is helping our franchises sell to the Airbnb owners saying, hey, you don't want to be on one of these articles. Right. When was the last time you had your carbon and smoke alarms checked? When was the last time you had your dryer vents clean? Any one of these liability issues that we helped solve mm-hmm. in our 18-point service when we come out and do it. Mm. That's uh, that's amazing. So one of the challenges that I, I want to ask you that I can imagine that a potential franchisee would wonder is, how in the world do you find techs that have the ability to do not the magnitude of it, but the, the breadth of work that they have the skill set to do the 18 different items. Because some of these, again, rattle some of them off. They have, they're not related. Right. So it's a great question. And it's one that we get all the time. And I'm, you know, I'll just give you the 10,000 foot view. I could literally, I could train you to do an 18 point service in a day. Maybe 40, maybe two days, okay. simply because of some of the esoteric issues that come up with, with filter changes and water heater flushes, the difference between an electric water heater and a gas water heater, so to speak. Our training regimen, we have uh, Home Smiles University, which we have a Home Smiles Sales University, we have a Home Smiles Training University. Every single item that we do, we have multiple videos on that everybody can watch from home. And we also, our training regimen is one week in the office. And so when the technicians come out, we're training them for a whole week. So you're training my techs if I'm a franchisee? Absolutely. You send them out to us, they're with us for a week, and we're training them for five days. And on the fifth day, we're actually handing them the tablet. So... Mm -hmm. Part of the way we operate is everything is done on a tablet. This is one tablet. So when they go up to meet the homeowner, they can see the PO that they're working off of. Hello, Frank. Nice to meet you. My name is Jess. I'm from Home Smiles. We're doing a full service for you today or interior service or exterior service or a la carte item for you. Just checking these things. Okay, we're doing a full service. So uh, anything we need to know, you know, any dogs or cats we can't let out, anybody mm-hmm. in any rooms that don't want to be disturbed. And then can you point me towards, you know, the water heater and the, and the furnace uh, here in the interior of the house and they get off and rolling. But the reality is, that nothing, we are effectively, and I, I hate to say this sometimes, but it's just, it's the honest to God truth, right? We are really a glorified cleaning company, mm. right? We mm. don't install gutters, we clean them. We don't install AC systems, we change the filters We and, you know, the exterior parts of it as well. We're not installing dryer vents, we're cleaning dryer vents. Mm-hmm. Everything that we're doing is a maintenance item. Mm-hmm. Nothing is an installation, and the reason I bring that up is because in the very beginning, one of the questions I got from all the real estate brokerages that we work for is, don't you have to have a contractor's license? And so again, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to crush this thing. Right, okay. Right. I'm just going to go get one and then call it a day. <laughs> and and we, what we were told is you can't have one because you don't qualify for one. Because you're not doing that work. Right. To get, a, to get a GC license, you basically have to amend, alter, repair, or replace. Okay. 
cleaning doesn't fall into those four categories. So we're effectively a glorified cleaning company is what we were told. So the training is really pretty simple. My sister's heard me say this, so she's not going to be offended by it being on your podcast. But <laughs> I tell people, I go, you know, I can literally train my sister to do this in a week. It's and she's not a very highly technical person. Um, she's a sweetheart, but you know, Aww. not a highly technical person. So it's really not that complicated. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And the machinery and the training that we give uh, really makes it very simple. Which is why we can do we can do an, a standard twenty five hundred to three thousand square foot home, all eighteen services in two hours. Wow! And yeah. recommendations once a year. Yeah, uh, and that's a great that's a great question. We. You know, a lot of people go, oh, well, should I have this done multiple times a year or, or mm-hmm. whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we say, no, if you if you just do it once a year, you're ahead of 90 percent of the rest of the population. Sure. And, you know, the, the point that I like to make is when somebody calls. So we use the four lead gens that you would expect. Right. When we're out there on PPC and Google ad and everything else mm-hmm. um, and spending your monthly marketing spend, we are focused on gutter cleaning, window cleaning, pressure washing, dry vent cleaning. And those leads come in, and then effectively, we're upselling those leads. Now, why is that? And what we like to say to people is, hey, you, you, you called us for gutter cleaning. We can do that for you. Have you had your dryer vent cleaned lately? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, uh, no, I don't think we have. Okay, it's a big, big problem, right? 3,800-plus mm-hmm. homes burned to the ground last year. You don't want to be one of those statistics, especially with you know your kids at home or your family at home. And so then we'll package that and bundle that. Now they're really close to just either having a full interior or an exterior service. And then they're really close to just having a full 18 point service. And what we like to say to people is you don't know which one of these things is going to be an issue until it's an issue. True. You don't know when your carbon alarm is going to be a problem for you and your family until it's a problem. You don't know when your smoke alarm is going to be a problem until it doesn't go off. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we like to present is we are America's leader in basically scheduled annual maintenance, right? And we want to deliver to you a safe home. In order to do that, a safe home, avoid deferred maintenance on the most expensive asset most people have, Mm -hmm. right? And also give you some energy savings that are basically going to pay for the whole service in and of itself. But we want to present ourselves as the experts in the field of getting everything done that needs to be done. Because a lot of people don't know. Right. Right? They don't know. For example, I'll just give you an example. A lot of people think, on a smoke alarm, if they hit the little button, mm-hmm. the tester, and it goes off, that the smoke alarm is functional. It's not the case. That's why we have 10-year warranties on smoke alarms, because those little plates, they'll oxidize. And then you could flood them with smoke, and even though the little interrupter button makes some noise, it's not going to go off. Mm. But people don't know that. So that's why we bring our expertise to the field to say, Frank, when we're done, your home's going to be safe. Okay. If, right. And if I'm the franchisee and these inquiries are coming in, am I taking the calls or is there a call center? How, how are we? Uh... We have a call center. Okay. So there's a lot of things that we do, I think, that are different than, and I'll give you the highlight reel, than a lot of franchisee, a lot of franchisors. And we do it primarily because before I started this company, I had a full head of hair. I look like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> As you can see right now, I'm completely bald because I've lost it all. Pulling it all out over... SEO stuff and Uh PPC and Google ads and everything else. I mean, there's just so much to learn. So we handle all of the SEO. We handle your social media marketing. We handle your email drip campaigns. We handle the call center. We want you, what we tell the franchisees is we'll handle all that day-to-day for you. We want you to go out and go big game hunting. Mm -hmm. That's what we want you to do. Because if you're a franchisee and you bring on a property manager, 
they're going to give you anywhere from one of our prop, one of our franchisees out in California just brought on 800 plus homes. Uh, yeah, I right. bet. I mean, that's, that's where you have to go is big game hunting for the right. property managers, not the onesie twosie individual homeowners. Yeah. And our, our email and our social and our PPC and our Google ad, all that's handling the, the, your John and Jane Doe homeowner. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming in. Really, as your van starts driving around town, it's a gigantic moving billboard, and people are going to call just on that. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I've waited my whole life for this company to show up. So here it is. Let's call them. Right. Put my home on autopilot. And never have to worry about it again. This is fantastic. So your John and Jane homeowner, they're going to come in no problem off of those campaigns. But the property management, that 800 that I just mentioned, that franchisee, uh, 800 homes, uh, and they're doing basically a specified service that the sales center put together for this property manager. They wanted six items off of our 18 down on all 800 plus of their homes. And so it's about $400 per home, Okay, but that's 320 grand in business, Mm. right? Nobody's going to hand over 320 grand in business unless they've looked you in the eye, Frank, Mm-hmm. And they go like, I trust this guy right. or this gal. Right. And they're going to be there. They're going to stand behind their work. They're local. They're going to take care of me. Property management companies are very sensitive about their tenants, right? And mm-hmm. their clients making sure nothing goes wrong because they don't want to have a bunch of turnovers. They don't want to lose clients. And so they're not going to hand over that 300000 plus PO unless they've met you and mm-hmm. they spend some time with you. So what we say to people, our franchisees is, we'll handle the day-to-day stuff. You go out and go big game hunting. Okay. We want you out there kissing babies, handing out lollipops, as they say in politics. Right. <laughs> and uh, and meeting new property management companies, going to NARPM events, going to brokerage houses, to your local Coldwell Banker, Intero, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, and companies like that, making those relationships and bringing on those lists because those lists are golden. Once you sign up a property management company, they're going to come back year over, after year after year. On property management companies, we're 95% return rate. Wow. So you build up 400000 in business your first year. Your second year, you're going in with 400000 right, right, right. And now you're just adding more property management companies on top of that. And then you're adding your second van and so on and so on. Jess, uh, what is your vision on this company? Where is it going? How, how big is big? <laughs> uh, we have a gigantic wall art in our corporate office that says, we are America's largest property maintenance company. And that's where we want to be. We handle... You know, like we mentioned before, B2C, mm-hmm. just John and Jane homeowner, property management companies. We work for, uh, we work for Stanford University. We just did a 300,000 plus window cleaning job for them. Uh, lots of colleges, universities. We have a bid out right now to the Veterans Administration that's almost a million dollars a year for five years. Uh, that is our goal is to continue to grow. Kind of spinning back to when what we were talking about earlier on before we hopped on the podcast and also during this podcast, the the world of franchising is changing Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, private equity plays its role. And the bottom line is that I think at a certain point, the company will evolve to a stage wherein there will be more capable hands than mine that Mm -hmm. it would be able to sit in. I try to check my my ego at the door. Sure. Right. And really for me and for everybody around the Home Smiles corporate office, it's very simple for us. Our job is to do the very best we can every day on behalf of our franchisees. We want them to have the very best systems that they can pause everything that we've done. We started with, you know, mm-hmm. we're on Fran Connect. We're using Career Hub. We're using every single best system we can bring on board for them. And at a certain point, the company will be at a certain size that there will be more capable hands in mind to put it in. And if that is the case, then we will put it there. 
because it will be in the best interest cool. of franchisees. That's awesome. Right, we'll leave it at that. What's been your biggest surprise since franchising over the last four years? I ask everybody that question I know you because did. I get different answers all the time. And I love for an audience that might be an emerging founder here at versus somebody who may be looking to invest in a franchise. Mm -hmm. And I purposely ask that, especially for you, it's really applicable because you've been in the real estate side of the business for so long. And obviously having an attorney background, worry about safety and now shifting into franchising, you're very, you're very reflective. So I'm curious to know what, uh, what your thoughts are on that. The honest answer to your question is how much sleep I lose thinking about our franchisees and making sure that they have everything that they need. That's the mm. honest answer. You know, as one of the leaders at the table for any company, you're constantly thinking about the people that you serve. It's emotional. It's emotional. But in franchising, it's different, mm -hmm. right? And the reason that it's different is all of these, you know, as with many franchises, you know, we like to look at ourselves, especially at this stage, as our, our franchise family, right? And all everybody around the office, uh, and I, I'll give credit to our COO, her name is Tanya Crusada, and she's just amazing. Uh, she's she's the heart and soul of, of, of Home Smiles. Um, and she is very family-oriented. And so everything is our Home Smiles family and our Home Smiles family <laughs> reunion and, and all of that. That sentiment... When you're bringing on a franchisee, you're bringing on uh, a husband and wife team. Let's just take an example. You're right. bringing on a husband and wife team that, you know, the husband's been in corporate America for 25, 30 years. They're making a shift. They're putting, you know, their full faith and confidence behind you. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, like there's two things I need to have. My sleep and I need to be able to walk down the street with my head held high. Right. Which means I need to deliver on the things that I say that I'm going to do. And so the biggest epiphany for me has been how much your heart cares for these people and you want them to succeed. You know, so one of the things that we did is we have a 15 minute standing founder call every month. Uh, so every franchisee has 15 minutes with me to just go like, hey, what are your roadblocks? You know, what are cool. your hurdles? What are you struggling with right now? How can we help you? And sometimes it's just a rah-rah session, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, hey, Frank, you got this, man. Like, you know, I know that this seems like a struggle, but just push through it. And, you know, or sometimes it's, hey, I'm stuck here. Uh, what do I need to do? Or it's, sometimes it's how do I manage my employees or you, you name it. But it's just how much you care. My entire family knows, you know, my wife, my kids, you know. If, if I'm working, like, or if I'm late, at, I'm at the office till 8, 9, 10 o'clock, or I'm there on a Saturday, it's because that husband and wife team and their kids, it's like, I got to make sure that we're there for them and giving them absolutely everything that they need to succeed. And that's been the biggest aha moment for me. It's a huge responsibility. It is. And when we go into franchising, I don't know if any of us, I, I know I did not did not even think about that. Nope. You don't think about the people's lives that you're really responsible for, yep. not just the employees, but yeah, sometimes people are investing their whole life. You yeah. know, they're, they, they're leaving their job. They're putting their life savings into it and there's no turning back. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is a huge deal. Yeah. And I think if you're a franchisor with strong ethics and morals and you realize that, Hey, you're not going to take them on unless you are super confident they are a right fit, which, Clearly, Jess, you're doing. Yep. And also knowing that they well capitalized enough that they can survive yep. that break-in period because there are not many franchise concepts where you're you know, making money right out of the gate. Yep. As a leader, too, we have to make decisions that are very difficult sometimes. 
And some of the decisions we make as franchise leaders, we know is going to affect their livelihood and also our employees. And it, it's um, a challenge that I don't know if every emerging franchise or when you go in, you don't think about. You just think I have this cool concept. I'm passionate right. about it. And I'm going to franchise this thing. And it's going to blow up because I was talking to my wife and a bunch of couples on a cruise yeah. and said, hey, look, what do you think of this business? Yep. You know, it's and everybody's like, yeah, this is great. No, nowhere at that point in time did you think about or even know to think about the amount of lives that you were going to be impacting. Yeah. You know, and it really hit me, I think, this year because we had the e-break on really until June of this year. Uh, May, May, May of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we talked about before, when the FSOs came calling and we interviewed all of them, and, and I'm going to throw in a plug for Fran Growth, who we are working That's with. That's who you work with. Yeah. Okay. We met with them all, um, and we flew out to Waco, and we met with Fran Growth. Mm -hmm. And, I mean... Gosh, I mean, we were just our entire C level team walked out of there. It just everybody's looked and just started nodding their heads. Like they were the right ones for you guys. Yeah, right? they just. I mean, their their code of values is on the wall, and it's like you know, it just we were in a hundred percent alignment mm -hmm. with where they were going, and what they were doing, and most importantly, though, you felt that they lived those code of values because people can put anything on a yeah, wall, but no, you these, felt that they were living it. These these guys and gals are living it, yeah. And their depth of field and experience in franchising, you know, they came from one of the largest aggregators uh, mm -hmm. of of franchises. I'll just leave it there. Well, if they were in Waco, Texas, yeah. If you're in franchising, yeah. you know who we're talking exactly. about. Exactly, you can do your own math on that yeah. one. But um, <laughs> we said okay, and all right, we're ready to go. You know, mm -hmm. systems were checked. And we had everything, uh, and they came in and they, and they made some comments. They said, there's some things that we need to change and some, and we were in alignment with that as well. But what happened was, uh, they started their process and the FSOs, as you, as you know, are extremely effective. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had our, normally when we would do trainings, we would do two, maybe three onboards at a time, meaning we'd have one or two franchises. Sure. And our training last, uh, two months ago was 14 people in the room <laughs> and uh and i went home from that frank and that feeling that i had that sentiment that i'd had before mm -hmm. because the existing you know 11 franchises that we had at that time we were super close with all of them right mm -hmm. they'd come by sure. the office we'd see them we talked to them on a regular basis but to train 14 new people in a room mm -hmm. i mean we had to, at that with that we literally went to a hotel set up with a conference room and all that other stuff and i and i got home that night and i looked at my wife and i said like this is a whole different ball game i got i got chills right? I, I remember those days and right? i remember the, my first big training class yeah. and i remember who was in it and some of those people are still in with the brand today yeah. and we we reminisced more recently when i when i saw them at a convention and it's just it's just incredible. Not that a small class isn't great, it is, but there's something about the camaraderie and knowing you're really onto something now. Yeah. You're 14 people. It's yeah. pretty pretty special. You're changing lives. You know, is is the point that it that it really boils down to. Yeah. And uh, I was just checking with the office yesterday, and our training for December is now full, and so now they're moving Congrats. people into January. So you know, it's a it's a great responsibility, but mm -hmm. I'll also say it's a great honor, right? It's a great mm -hmm. honor to be working with these people. And then I'm, it's I'm, a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege. It's it really is. You know, I, I fervently believe that, you know, leaders, people, great leaders, they don't want the job. Right. Right. It's kind of, I, har <laughs> I, I hearken back, to, I, I hearken back to being the, 
uh, the managing partner of my law firm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the, the way that that happened was they brought in a consulting firm when the old managing partner was exiting and he was a great guy and he did a phenomenal job and he was leaving and they were, and, and so they brought in a consulting firm and the consulting firm basically mm-hmm. put my picture at the end of the 60 page report and the CFO came in and he goes, congratulations. And I go, I don't want the job. Bill. I don't want it. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I fervently believe that, you know, great leaders step up to that. You know, I'm not putting myself in a great leader category by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it is an absolute privilege you know, to be working with these people. And my favorite part of franchising, this is my favorite part. So for people that know me, I have a, a auto racing background. I love racing. My son drives uh, for Chevrolet and Richard Childress racing nice. and, and at the NASCAR level and great marketing for our brand, obviously. <laughs> uh, to have 2 million people watching in the Home Smiles car roll around the track every Sunday. <laughs> but what I, I analogize franchising to an engine, Right. When you have four franchisees, you got four cylinders pumping. Mm -hmm. And every time you add a new franchisee, you're adding a new cylinder to your engine. Your engine's going to go faster. It's going to go further. It's going to perform better. And one of the things that we discuss at our training that we were just talking about is a big, I actually have a breakout where I make it very clear to everybody. I go, listen, if anybody at any point in time has a better mousetrap, Right. Because all of these franchisees come from different backgrounds. Sure. We've got people that have managed, you know, thousands of people in an HR department or hundreds of people on a sales team or hundreds of people on a marketing team. They have a tremendous amount of knowledge that they can bring to the table. I said, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you has a better way of approaching this or a better idea or a better mousetrap, we want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. That's the magic of franchising. That's the magic. Mm -hmm. That's the magic. And that's what I really love. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're constantly able to improve your concept, improve your brand, bringing people into the fold, right? So they feel like they're a part of the process. It's, it's great. I love it. But I complete, as I said before, I am not some kind of Steve Jobs visionary. I tripped into this thing, but I'm loving every minute. Well, that's great. We've all tripped into franchising for the most part. Jess, if somebody wanted to get more information about the franchise opportunity, where can they go? Uh, Simple. Homesmiles.com. There's a franchising button right there that'll take you over to our friends at FGC, and they do a phenomenal job of uh, walking people through the process, first and foremost, vetting whether or not they are the right fit for us. Right. So that's simple. And then uh, if they want to call the office or have any other questions, uh, triple eight, smile one, one. All right. Very cool. All right. Well, you know how we finish this. Yep. The tip jar. Right. So if I am a entrepreneur looking to franchise my concept, what's a piece of advice you'd give me? The best piece of advice that I could give anybody is to align. Go find yourself a mentor. Mm. Right. I mean, the, the concept of having a great mentor in any field that you're in is almost overplayed. But in this context, as we mentioned, and we talked about earlier on in the podcast, having the ability to pick up the phone and call Anthony Veracruz, who has been there, done that, seen it, forgotten it a hundred times. You know what I mean? It's he was able to go, don't go left, don't uh, go right right? Don't go down, go up, do this, that. So to me, and I, I think, you know, any new, uh, emerging brand out there or somebody who's thinking about, uh, franchising their idea, their company, I I can't think of a single CEO or a single founder that if you picked up the phone and called them and you're all welcome to call me, I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, that there's nobody that's going to not give you the time 
to help you and to mentor you because, as I am very fond of saying, nobody climbs the mountain alone. Absolutely. We all have, anybody that gets to the top has gotten to the top because somebody up there at some point in time has reached down their hand and helped pull them up. And we all know that we need to pay that forward. Absolutely. That's why I do what I do. I was pulled up by many people for a long time. And that's why I'm having the time of my life doing the podcast. And, you know, I thought right away when you mentioned that Anthony said, do not sell any more than 10 franchises your first year. I thought, well, there's your tip jar right there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That was was a great piece of advice. Oh, it was critical. And again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right, So when you start this, kind of like you were just saying, right? When you start a franchise, you're thinking, oh, hey, this is just a business. We're going to go do business. You don't realize, hey, the people are coming into your company and your franchise and you're changing lives. It's a lot of responsibility. Overnight. Overnight. And you didn't know that when you started your company. Right. And in the same way, you don't know that if you grow too fast, you're going to break the system. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to deliver. And, you know, from a selfish perspective, you're not going to have verifiers. Right. You're not going to be able to complete verification calls, so you won't be able to grow. And Anthony bringing in his, you know, his depth of field, his experience to be able to share that with me at the beginning was just critical. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize it until after the fact. Right. When you're sitting there talking to people going, oh, did you hear about ABC brand or 123 brand or XYZ brand? They grew too fast. They sold 100 locations and they could only deliver two mm. in the first year. You know, that's a death knell. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, my hat's off to him. I can't thank him enough. Awesome. Let that be a warning to franchisors listening to this, not to oversell. That's right. Yeah. Undersell, overdeliver. Absolutely. Jess, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for coming yeah. in studio. Thank you for having and, us, Frank. And meeting you, and uh, I love your concept. Thanks. I really appreciate that. It's been an absolute pleasure being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for tuning in to the Emerging Franchise Brands Podcast. For additional insights, guest applications, and to stay connected, visit us at efbpodcast.com. The Emerging Franchise Brands Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of Emerging Franchise Brands, its host Frank Fumey, or Emerging Franchise Group, LLC. Any discussed franchise or investment opportunity requires thorough investigation, obtaining proper disclosure documents, and expert consultation before making any investment decisions. The podcast and its host do not offer professional advice or endorsements, and they hold no responsibility for actions, representations, accuracy, or consequential damages related to the podcast content.